Ruslan. Part two of the Ruslan Exposed series, sharing my testimony with you guys, exposing myself before anybody beats me to it. That's how we run it here. Uh, part one, I talked about where I was born, coming out as a refugee, uh, immigrant, seeing my mom and dad split up, the, the devastation that did to me personally as a kid, how I was indirectly at fault almost, or at least I thought I was, how I then got, uh, you know, experienced sexual trauma. And oddly enough, there's a story in there about circumcision. You just got to go watch part one. All right. Just go watch part one. It'll make more sense. All right. Part two, we're going to pick up where part one left off, which is long story short is, uh, so I'm growing up in San Diego. I, I experienced trauma, experienced growing up in a single parent home, experienced all kinds of wild stuff. Um, and me and my mom, I lived with my mom. My mom was was on welfare. She couldn't find a job. If you guys listen to the song, Bless God, you kind of hear some of that story. And I also talked about that on the Bless God devotional and break, lyric breakdown. But so my dad leaves. My dad gets remarried. My mom is upset. I'm angry at the Armenian Apostolic Orthodox Church. I think, you know, if there is a God, he clearly doesn't care about me for letting all this wild stuff happen to me. And I'm just, you know, a hardened kid. I'm, I'm a hardened kid. There's no other way to describe it. So my dad's out of the picture. He he moves on. Um, he's upset with my mom. He gets remarried. My mom is upset with the Armenian Orthodox Church, uh, Apostolic Church. This, mind you, this is our entire like community here, right? We weren't like Bible believing, born again Christians, but this was like the, the the social circle. So she stops going to church. She, you know, is mad at, at at that institution. I'm mad at that institution. I shared some of the stuff, some of the other stuff that was attached to that. And uh, at the same time, this is where gangster rap starts taking off. This is like the peak of that. And I got really into hip hop. And initially, the stuff I got into was like Jazzy Jeff and Fresh Prince and A Tribe Called Quest, like the early '90s stuff. And then when gangster rap hit, it uh, it really it really got uh, darker. Like, it got really dark with some of the content. And as a kid, you don't really know what you're listening to. And, you know, you got neighbors uh, who are exposing you to this stuff. I remember going to my first concert. I was I couldn't have been no older than eight or nine. It was a Snoop Dogg and Dr. Dre concert at the sports arena. I'm, like, in the third row. It was, it, it was just a... I just had a really bizarre childhood. So, my dad's out of the picture, and... I'm, uh, I just got a ton of time. I got a ton of time on my hand. My, my mom finally gets a job in the year 1996. Okay, we've been here for five years on welfare, poor, really, really uh, tough times. The, 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 the opportunity for her to get a job was great. It, it started slow, but she, you know, she clawed her way through. She did her best, but she had to work nights. She had to work nights. And so you know what that means. I'm fifth grade, fourth, fifth grade. Uh, wildin', like, wildin' out. I was the kid breaking into houses. I had a gang that we formed with an older dude that was around who was, uh, who, who, you know, he was from a different part of the country and, like, brought back his set uh, of, of you know, this whole thing. Like, so, like, we, like, got jumped into a gang. There's only a couple of us. We got, like, ju jumped into a gang. And so here I am, 10 years old, jumped into a gang, breaking into houses, selling weed, um, 
I lost my virginity around this time, like full on. I'm not talking like, like I'm talking like I had to be 10 or 11 years old, full on, lost my virginity, just like a train wreck, right? Like top to bottom, all kinds of just bad stuff happening. And it culminated to, I remember getting arrested, I think my fifth or sixth grade year for breaking into a home. And my buddy who started, this older dude who was around, who started this gang, uh, was in jail and his baby moms had told us this other dude she was messing with had all this cash on hand and we could break in to the dude's house, get the cash so we can bail out our gang leader. Like, this stuff is nuts. And I'm sharing this because, again, if you guys think I'm jacked up, like, I probably am. <laughs> but, but I've gone to counseling and therapy and, and I've gotten better. Uh, but so, also sometimes the word of your own testimony will remind you how far you've came. So here I am. Uh, in sexual sin as a young kid, uh, watching a ton of pornography. I have been sexually assaulted um, at, at this age. I'm, you know, completely confused sexually. Uh, and then you got the gang element on top of that. And then you got the crime element on top of that. And so I get arrested. My mom is livid. She goes down and she doesn't know I'm doing any of this stuff. And she saw where everything was going. And thank God for, for moms, because she saw where this was all headed. And the end of my seventh grade year, she got a job out in North County at Ocean's Eleven Casino. And North County, Oceanside, different different pace, right? Just less drama to get into, less stuff to get around. There's, I mean, Oceanside is not no walk in the park. But compared to, 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 to Normal Heights and San Diego, this was it appeared that way, right? And then we found out Oceanside has some some issues. So my mom gets a job. She relocates us to North County, San Diego, right? Because I had caught a case. I was on probation. I flunked my seventh grade year, like completely bombed my seventh grade year. And I don't even know how I got into eighth grade, like to keep it a buck. Like I had, like, I'm talking like a 1.0, like it was bad. I was going to Roosevelt. Um, I was going to Wilson Middle School. So I transfer over. Uh, we move up here, and the week before we're about to move, I broke into another house. I didn't learn my lesson, kept breaking in houses, broke into another house. But at this point, the whole neighborhood knew what was up. They knew that me and my two friends was running through folks' houses, stealing stuff. And this this is straight, like, just scumbag behavior, like, just completely scumbag behavior. It was somebody that was like an acquaintance of ours. We knew they kept a spare key, and sure enough... I'm trying not to like dry snitch on myself because it's, it's not a, like an open case or anything like that. But sure enough, they knew they sent somebody to, to attempt to beat me up. There's like a, you know, 18, 19 year old kid in front of my apartment with a baseball bat. J just like craziness. right? So, so I'm like dealing with this in the back of my head. I'm thinking like I got a week left. I got a week left if I could just get get out of here. And, and, and this is the first time I start thinking like if there's a God, if there's a God, uh, God, just let me make it through this because I'm about to get really I'm, I'm going to get hurt or something bad's going to happen because I got this situation of this whole thing. I'm involved with gangs and I'm not talking like our own set. Now we have, you know, this OG blood that we took the stuff we stole at his house and all of a sudden that went missing. And he's just like, I don't know. And so, you know, it, it was just craziness. Right. So there's there's all these wild people in my life. I'm involved in all this insanity and I go to school and there was a kid that I was friends with and he walks up to me one day and says, yo, I got this gun. 
And I was like, no, you don't. Like, you're full of crap. We weren't, we weren't in it. We weren't like handling guns yet. Like, that wasn't what we was on. We wasn't on, we wasn't on like shooting people or like that. We was, we had gotten shot at a couple times, just like being in the wrong place at the wrong time, but we weren't on that, that wave yet. So he says, I got this guy. I'm like, no, you don't. Like, stop capping. Sure enough, this is all in the same week. These folks want to beat me up because I broke into the house. This dude tells me about this gun. And then, um, and then I go to school this is like my last week and i get pulled into the principal's office and i'm like what is this right get pulled into the principal's office and there's a detective there and the detective this is seventh grade like i'm not making this up yo this is seventh grade and the detective sits me down and is like hey so and so said that you gave him the gun and i'm like what gun he didn't have a gun he's like yes he did and he said it was your gun and i was like no. He said, are you still on probation? And I was like, I'm about to get off probation. They, these, these detectives knew who I was, bro. Mind you, I'm like one of four white kids at this school, right? This was a Samoan kid. So I'm like, what? Like, no, like I got to get out of here. Like I got this situation pending at the same week. They served a search warrant on my house because we had broken to a Christian school, had some computers, uh, had all kinds of stolen property. They, ser- they served a search warrant. My mom's like, I come home. She tells me like, hey, like the, the cops were here. I'm just like, yo, all in the same week. So the cop is telling me all this. Uh, you know, they, they served a search warrant. And, uh, and I'm, I still got this other dude that's supposed to beat me up because I broke into this other house. And the cop, the cop is like, yo, we're going to find out this is you. And I literally got up. This is like a movie. I got up and I cussed this cop out. And I was like, this is not my gun. Run the effing fingerprint. Like, I'm seven. Like, I'm a freaking kid. I was like, run the effing fingerprints. My fingerprints is not on that effing gun. Like, wilding, like, yelling at this cop's face in the principal's office. And the cop is just like, all right, we're going to run these fingerprints. And, and, and if your fingerprints is on that gun, like, you're going down for this gun. You already got a record like and i'm like what all right so i'm like okay whatever i didn't think nothing of it right they're trying to get me on his gun this kid says i got the gun he's expelled at this point we don't see him and then literally like a day or two we're moving to north county right again mind you i got this situation for this broken house they serve search warrants and i got this this situation at the school with this with this gun i didn't even see a gun this kid is walking towards me i see him from about like I don't know, 50 yards away. And I'm like, I don't know. I'm like, yo, what's up, man? What what, what the heck happened, right? And this is like a bigger Samoan kid, like a a heavyset Samoan kid. And this dude full on had a knife and was like, why did you snitch on me? And I was like, snitch on you, bro? You said I gave you the gun. I didn't snitch. And he full on, it has this like shank thing. And I jetted so fast. I ran down all of University Avenue, all the way down El Cajon Avenue, and was just running for my life. I don't think I went to school the next day, and literally a few days later, we moved out to North County. I had never, I never heard from any of those people before. Now, all along, all along, remember I got, I told you in part one, my best friend at the time, Stephen Jackson, who also kind of, you know, was, was, he knew who I was a scumbag. Like, he knew I was a scumbag. I had gotten into a fight with him. Some of these other kids wanted to beat me up. And Steven Jackson, his mom, Cherie, she was our uh, apartment manager. Cherie was super cool, but Cherie was involved in some street stuff. She went to jail. Like, in the middle of all this, she went to jail, did like a year in jail, two year or two in jail. 
Steven moved to San Francisco, came back a little tougher. He had got he, his uncle was like moving weight in San Francisco. He came back a little tougher, and but his mom got radically saved. And what I mean radically saved, I mean ra- like radically saved. We had I don't know six or eight units in this apartment. It was forty five eighty thirty third Street in in Normal Heights, San Diego, right off of John Adams. I don't know if, if you guys are in San Diego. I, I used to play at that like John Adams Park and play basketball there. And Cherie got saved, and. Our entire apartment building got converted, like the entire apartment building. I mean, like uh, there was a dude named Charles who lived next door. He was super cool. Uh, he got saved. He was a truck driver. There was a, um, my, my buddy Carl and Charles upstairs. Everybody gets the gospel shared with them because Cherie was like in the she was in the life and she like radically gets saved. And by the way, I'm still in touch with her and we we were friends on Facebook and she's super woman of God, right? Uh, the, the and so everybody but me and the other Russian family and uh, they they sharing the gospel with me like they're sharing the gospel with me. So I have these my my perception of of church started to shift because here you have these. You, you have these folks and these husbands and these fathers, uh, and some of them were divorced, but their kids would live with them, and they took care of their kids, and they would, like, mentor me and pour, pour into me. And, and, and they started telling me early on, like, you're going to do great things for God someday. Just watch. You're going to do great things for God someday. Just watch. And I was like, there's no way, right? Like, there's, there's no way. Like, you guys don't know what you're talking about. Like, there is no God. And if there is a God, he definitely doesn't care about me because look at all the terrible stuff that's happened to me, right? And they just they just kept 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 prophesying now remember in, the, in, in part one of this john 10 verse 9 um I, this is the verse that kind of stuck out to me and jesus says i am the door if anyone enters by me he will be saved and he will go in and out and find pasture uh and and, and he's talking about the sheep and him being the good shepherd and he says the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy i came that they may have life and abundantly right and he talks about the enemy as a thief but i was a thief in my childhood i was the dude breaking into houses shoplifting just being a complete just derelict and i knew that sin was real and i knew that evil was real and i knew that these things were real because they were real in my life and i knew that the world was broken and the 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 fact that jesus didn't condemn me and these people didn't condemn me. They just loved me. They shared the gospel. They never enabled my behavior. And they never said it was cool because, again, they had a checkered past, right? And they would keep it a buck with me. But there was always acceptance. There was always love. There was always patience with me. And and and, and this idea of Jesus saying, I've come to give you life and life. But everything you're seeking for, everything you think you want is actually in the person of Jesus. And everything you know that isn't right with you, know that isn't right with this world, is a byproduct of sin and a byproduct of the enemy and a byproduct of all these things that have gone wrong. Clearly something has gone wrong, right? So I moved to North County. Uh, I, I have this deep, deep, deep down in my soul. I know that I know that there's something different. Um, and I'm and I'm like, yo, I'm just going to be a good kid now. I'm going to be a good kid. I'm going to play basketball. That was plan A. Plan A was I'm going to be a professional basketball player. So I got really serious. There was a park right right across the street. I lived in Vista. There's a park, uh, Alta Vista High School. Got super into basketball, jump souls, like the whole bit. You can hear uh, I have a song called... Um, just because it failed doesn't mean it didn't work. I think it's called Because It Failed. You guys go check that out. It's on the Americana album. I talk a lot about the stuff on, on the Americana album from 2016. So I'm in North County. And for me, th- there wasn't no, like, singular moment of salvation. Like, I just kept having people, flawed people, mind you, sharing the gospel with me over and over, over and over, over and over. 
And at this point, I'm listening to like DMX, right? Like that's my first like friendly exposure to the guy where I'm like, okay, DMX, he's super talented. He's on this crazy Rough Rider street stuff. But he always had those prayers at the end of the album. Mad confusing, right? Mad confusing. But he would always end the album with the prayers. And I remember eighth grade, I moved out here, got a clean start. Don't know how I got into eighth grade. Got into Roosevelt Middle School, was on a basketball team, uh, and just was like, I'm going to stay on a straight and narrow. I, ha- I had been smoked a lot of weed. I had been the drunk kid. I had been, like, dabbling in drugs. So by the time I got out here, I'm 13, I'm done. Like, I don't need to smoke. I don't need to drink. I don't need to do nothing, right? And God, re- I think God really preserved me. Not that I, like, wa- like really used it in access back then, but I did smoke and I did drink regularly as, like, a, t- you know, 10 to 12-year-old kid. And I had lost my virginity and the whole bit. So I'm like, I'm on the straight and narrow. I'm doing the right thing without even knowing Jesus, without even knowing Jesus, right? So I'm in, I'm in high school. Eighth grade was cool. I did really great. I went from having like a 1.0 to having like a 3.8. This is the best I ever done acad- academically. And sure enough, I get into freshman year playing basketball, kind of dabbling in music. People start saying, yo, you could do music. Um, another friend of mine, his mom was, was a Christian. He invites me to like this like youth group thing. Very flawed individual. His, uh, you know, he, he like hooks up with a girl at the youth group. But I'm again, I'm now I'm getting exposed to the gospel. I'm getting exposed to the faith. Mind you, I'm very hardened to the gospel. No one in my family saved, right? The people that that I that, that did get saved had a past, and so I kind of dismissed them as hypocrites. Like, oh, you did this, and you got arrested for this, and how could you do this? But I knew that something had changed in them. So now I'm in, I'm in, I'm in North County. I'm in Vista. I'm going to Vista High School, uh, and. I, I started talking to this Jehovah's Witness girl and I was like head over heels in love for her. And, you know, we were just kind of friends initially. And then I also started talking to a Christian girl and me and this Christian girl are still uh, acquaintances to till this day. And we got involved in a relationship. We're sexually immoral, like the whole bit, right? Like a lot of just sexual immorality, but I'm not drinking. I'm not smoking. I'm not partying. She was kind of into that kind of stuff, but she was also in the church. And this is, this is 2001 ish, right? 2000, 2001 freshman year, high school. I started dating this girl. She's super cool. But in order to see her, I, on, on a Sunday, I'd have to go to school. I mean, excuse me, I had to go to church with her and her family. That was the only way I was going to go to get to see her. So I had to go to church and they went to this like I guess you would call it like a seeker-friendly church. It was called New Venture Cool Church. And I started going, and I started going to big church. I didn't really like little church I didn't, or little church youth group. I started going to big church. I started hearing, hearing the gospel all along. Me and this girl, we break up, we get back together, break up, get back together. Um, but but that was imparted in me, like the, the fact that church was good now. Still wasn't a Christian, but I definitely was going to church. Now I'm open to the idea of God. I'm I, At this point, it's this freshman year. I'm raising my hand every day. Every every day I go, I raise my hand. I think I'm saying a prayer. I don't know what's happening, but I'm doing, like, I, I, I'm trying, right? And I'm still being sexually immoral, right? I'm the guy that's like, yeah, God told me it's okay because we're married in our heart. Like I was saying like that kind of toxic stuff. That's why I could see uh, through a lot of y'all, the shenanigans, all the God told me people. I was that kid before I was even saved. Yeah, God told me it's okay if we sleep together because we're we're married in our hearts. Like, no, 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 no. It's not okay, right? And me and his girl break up. Sophomore year, I started dating the Jehovah's Witness girl. This is also on the Americana album. And... In dating her, I started dabbling into the reasoning for the scriptures, and I started looking at the history of the Jehovah's Witness Church, and I started, like, really, me and her got really close, and thankfully, 
you know, we didn't at this point, I'm I'm now the seeker self-righteous person. Like I'm trying to figure it out. I don't know what's what. I don't know if Jesus is God. I don't know if Jesus is a prophet. I don't know if Jesus is the son of God. I'm trying to figure this out. I'm working at Pizza Hut. I lied on my application my sophomore year. I said I was 16 when I was really 15. Got a job at Pizza Hut. My manager at Pizza Hut is like a devout born again Christian. The the one of the drivers is a devout Christian. So I'm still going to the same church, by the way, New Venture on Sunday morning, right? Um, and here I am, here I am dating a Jehovah's Witness girl. Me and this other girl aren't talking anymore. And um, I'm reading the reasoning for the scriptures. I'm reading the Jehovah's Witness Bible. I'm also going to Christian church on Sundays. And I'm, um, and I'm also, I got friends that are Muslims, right? This is around the time of 9-11. I got friends who are I got friends who are um, uh, Mormons. So I'm literally coming into this the, the idea of faith. Now I now think there's a God. I think there's something to this Jesus, right? I think there's something there. And I just have a wide variety of views all around me. I got the class with the Muslim kid. I got the class with the Mormon girl. I got the class. I'm dating a Jehovah's Witness girl. I got all these people all around me. And... Um, and my coworkers, thank God for my coworkers, were like, yo, nah, that's not right. Like, Jesus isn't just a prophet. Like, Jesus is God. And I was like, what do you mean? No, Bible never says Jesus is God. Yes, it does. It does say Jesus is God. And they gave me this book called The New Evidence That Demands a Verdict. I'm talking a, bit, a book like this big, straight encyclopedia style. Um, and it was just an apologetics approach to everything Christianity. A, a, a breakdown of all other religions, what all other religions believe. A breakdown of what Christianity believes. A breakdown of um, what Jehovah's Witnesses believe all these different things. So I'm coming into the faith as a skeptic. Like I'm not pulling up on no, like I heard the gospel once and it radically got saved. No, 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 no. I had been hearing the gospel for a year, like a year. And I still didn't quite understand. And granted, maybe the seeker church was what I needed at the time to reel me in. Right. Maybe it was the, the 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 right thing, but without the substance. I don't know. I don't know how it all worked out. Right. Uh, the book was called Evidence That Demands a Verdict. I letter I later read a book called Case for Christ and Case for Christ is what sealed the deal for me. It was like, no, Jesus is God. There's way more evidence to support. Uh, and, and claims to support that he is God, that he did perform miracles, that he did die, that he did rise from the grave, um, that he did appear to 500 witnesses, that, right? Then, and then you start looking at the conversion of Saul of Tarsus becoming Paul, the Apostle Paul, right, in the New Testament. So at this point, I'm like, cool, this is it. I became such a jerk to the Jehovah's Witness girl, guys. I became such a jerk because I got it. I found the truth sophomore year. I had gotten it. I figured it out. I had I had the answers, right? But I was just a complete scumbag. Like now I went the opposite extreme. I went from breaking into homes. I went from I went from um you know, uh, being sexually immoral to now I'm not sexually immoral. I'm not breaking up. I'm still addicted to pornography. But at this point, oh, I got this part right. And you're, you're a terrible person. Right. And just uh, like it's to the point where we broke up. She cut me off. I went back to the relationship with the Christian girl. We're, we're still wrapped up in sin, probably lingered on for about a year 
until the end of my junior year where I found out that the, the, first, the first girl, the Christian girl that got me going to church, I found out she was cheating on me with a dude from another high school. This goes down. Everybody knows it. I don't believe it. Nobody will confront her with me because they see her at all these parties. Remember, I'm still the self-righteous dude. I'm not going to parties. Now I'm saved, but I'm still with this girl who isn't, she's not really walking with the Lord, but I'm kind of there for loyalty. And I know I'm not supposed to be in a situation. I let this drag on for a year, like just, a, just, just being stuck in a high school relationship like an idiot. So one day the homie is like, listen, she's cheating on you. I'm like, no, no one's willing to confront her with me. And they're like, you don't like, just trust me, dog. And I'm like, why don't you come with me and prove it? Like, like confront her in front of me. I don't know what I was thinking. So the homie Hanson Quinn Rose, we were in a rap group back then. Pull, We pull up after high school. She had just gotten in a fight and got beat up really bad. Hilarious. Total side story. She's standing there. So we're in front of her. This is a girl that got me go to church. She got beat up for talking trash. A little small girl. She, but her face is all swollen. I pull up. The dude she's allegedly cheating on me with is at the house. He's there. He's there. <laughs> this is the end of my uh, sophomore, I think my end of my sophomore year, my junior year. I don't remember. Somewhere in there. He's there. Oh, my gosh. So, you know, it's the end of my junior year. So, I go inside to talk to her, you know, and she's just trying to act normal. Like, oh, he's just a homie. He's just at the crib, right? She's acting normal. My homie Quinn pulls the dude to the side, right? Now, we all knew each other, but we ain't really known each other like that. He pulls him to the side. I, uh... I'm talking to her. I'm like, what's he doing here? And she's like, oh, he's just dropping by. He's in the neighborhood. I was like, mm-hmm. So we go outside. And remember, we're going over there for the homie to confront her, to be like, you're cheating on Ruslan. I'm, I'm going to, like, you, you need to break it off. I don't know why I didn't just, like, listen to everybody. Like, I'm an idiot, right? So we go back outside, and the, the, the dude and my buddy's like, yo, my man's got something he want to say to you. And I'm not lying. These were his words. I can't make this up. Oh, my gosh. I can't make this up. He goes, <laughs> he goes, hey, man, I've been effing your girl. And I was <laughs> just like, just like that. But he said the real word. I've been effing your girl. And I was like, what? Like, oh, my gosh. So I like snap. I'm like, you blah, blah, blah. I'm cussing her. I'm not even, like, whatever. Like, like I'm not going to fight this dude. Like, he just, he kept it a buck with me, right? He's just straight up like, yo, this is what it is. Like, I've been effing your girl. Like, and I'm like, oh my gosh. So I go off on her. Um, you know, I don't know. She's just standing there just shocked. Her, mind you, her face is swollen. Still, she's still bleeding, right? This is straight movie material. And I'm like, ah, ah, you blah, 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 blah. I'm going off on her. He's just standing there in shock. My homie Quinell is standing there in shock. And I'm like, let's go, right? I had this like 84 Toyota Celica that like, you know, so I take the homie, the homie Quinell lived the, uh, excuse me, Quinn lived around the corner from her. So I drop him off. I go home. And, and I think this was the real moment of surrender in my life. I'm telling you guys a story to show. If there was ever a time where I completely surrendered to God, it was in this moment. I came home. I literally broke down on my knees, asked God to forgive me. I can't believe I've been doing this one foot in, one foot out. I can't believe I've been dabbling in this relationship. And they say you, people only change if they're hurt, bored, or scared, right? Um, I wasn't bored. I was extremely distracted as, as any junior in high school would be but I was extremely hurt I was extremely angry I was scared I was confused and at that moment I remember having just this final surrender moment to Jesus after 
mind you, the gospel had been shared with me pro- probably for like four or five years, right? I've been going to church for like two years, like steadily going to church, confused as all get out. And the gospel was fine. And it finally all clicked. It finally all clicked. And I surrendered my life to Jesus. A week or two, school is over. I go to a Miles McPherson conf- uh, concert, cross movement played, and I think like POD played. And this is 2002. I uh, I get another profession of faith. I met Fanatic from the cross movement that day. Um, that's why Miles is. You guys saw me like if you ever see me defend Miles, it's because I know Miles now. Miles is like the the big pastor in San Diego. He's like the celebrity pastor. He was played for the San Diego Chargers, NFL football player, started a church called The Rock. I've done some stuff with them, so I hold Miles like really near and dear because he, he one of the first times I gave my public profession of faith after I surrendered was at a Miles Head Crusade. Think of like a Billy Graham Crusade concert, this that. Then he gives a devotional. Uh, Miles. Did I say Miles Morales? Miles McPherson. I didn't say Miles Morales. Miles McPherson is his name. He's been on my channel a couple times. Um, super, super dope pastor. He has a book called The Third Option. So a week after that, I meet my mentors, Future Shock. Um, around the same time, I start a ministry at this church called The Vessel of Hip Hop, where we got together. We'd, we would do an open mic. We'd freestyle. We'd battle. We'd do our thing. And uh, and then we do a Bible study, and I usually taught the Bible study. So I'm 17, I throw myself right into ministry. And this is why, because the more I read of the scriptures, this message just became so real to me. It became so real to me. So 17, um, 17 years old, going into my senior year, summer of my senior year, we, we start this ministry. And um, I'll read you guys this passage. This is 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 11. It says, because we understand our fearful responsibility to the Lord. We work hard to persuade others. God knows we are sinners, and I hope you know this too. Are are we committing ourselves to you again? No, we are giving you a reason to be proud of us so you can answer those who brag about having a spectacular ministry rather than having a sincere heart. If it seems we are crazy, it is to bring glory to God. And if we are in our right minds, it is for your benefit. Either way, Christ's love controls us since we believe that Christ, since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old life. Okay? We have all died to our old life. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought merely from a human point of view um, how differently we know now. This, is, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ becomes a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has, began, has begun. And all of this is a gift from God. And all of this is a gift from God. All of it is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God, check this out. This is this is where it hit for me. This is so good. The whole passage is, that's why I, read, I like reading passages because I was going to just cover the verse, but I said, I'm doing passages. I'm not doing just single verses on this channel. And all of this is a gift from God. Even the drama in my life, even the mistakes, all of it was a gift from God. Not that he caused the evil in my life or caused the sin. It was because he allowed it that I finally, I finally broke, surrendered and became dependent on on him. And I became a new creation, right? Like if I go back a few verses here, it says, this is so good. It says, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. I became a new person after that situation. The old life is gone. A new life is beginning. All of this is a gift from God who bought us 
back to himself. He, he, he brought us back to himself. God brought me back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling. God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ reconciling the world. People say, you, should, you shouldn't be worldly. The world is, listen, it says, for God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. Right now, it's not talking about the world system. It's talking about the people in the world, every ethnicity, every tribe, every culture. For God was in Christ reconciling the world, restoring the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead Come back to God, for God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made righteous with God through Christ. That passage, we are ministers of reconciliation, not division. Okay, early on, I knew that I had a passion for hip-hop. I could rap. I was dabbling in music. I knew that this pat, this this gift that God gave me, I knew that I can early on use it to reconcile people back to Jesus. I don't, I don't have to be known by what I'm against. I could be known by being a reconciler, that God gave us the ministry of reconciliation, right? The ministry, the task of reconciliation, the message, this wonder he says he gave us. Let me let me read this back one more time. I got to read this one more time, guys, so that we don't miss it. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself. No longer, no longer in Christ counting people's sins against him. And he gave us this wonderful, wonderful message of reconciliation. It's a wonderful message. The gospel is wonderful. This is good news, right? So we are Christ ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. Some of you guys are watching watching this and you need to come back to God. You need to surrender your life to God. Maybe you've been dabbling. Maybe you've had one foot in, one foot out. You know there's some things you need to cut out. I knew I shouldn't have been in that relationship. I knew I had no business going to that girl's house and goofing around, right? For Christ, for God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be right with God through Christ. And that is what then propelled me, that mentality. I understood it. Once it all clicked, once it all clicked, I got it that this is, my life is bigger than me. My life is not about me. And at 17 years old, I started a ministry called The Vessel of Hip Hop. My wife, my wife actually went to that ministry, oddly enough. Um... Uh, all kinds of people, my, my buddy Big Mike, who I did a video about, my uh, one, my best friend Big Mike, who passed away tragically at 20 from pneumonia. He uh, he was at that ministry. Um, um, uh, Belief's wife, Yvette, uh, Yvette, Miss Melanin, was going to that ministry, right? I think she was a year younger than me. She was going to El Camino High School. She was she had attended that ministry. That ministry at, the, at New Venture Church had outgrew the youth group because we didn't have a youth pastor at the time. We were getting like 100 kids. And I'm not talking like church kids. We were getting the non-church kids. Like we were getting the folks that were far from God. We do our open open mic freestyle thing at the beginning. Uh, I was working at pizza, so I had the plug on pizza. I'd feed everybody. Sometimes pizza, pizza would donate it. Sometimes the church paid for it, whatever. I'd feed everybody. And then we'd, we'd get in a, into a Bible study. We'd freestyle at the end. And then sometimes there would be battles that broke out in the parking lot. Dudes would be outside battling. And I'm talking like the dope boys were there. I'm talking like the dudes that were really, really. Remember, I was still like the righteous kid, even though I was just brand new safe. 
I, I wasn't wilding out. I wasn't smoking weed. I wasn't doing anything crazy. So I, I started this at 17. We did it for a couple years. Six months after starting. Remember, I'm, I'm new surrendering to the faith. I was also in the youth group. I was also plugged into a small group. Six months later, church catches wind of this. The pastor didn't know we were doing this thing, the senior pastor. And he catches wind of it and he says, this isn't fit our ministry vision. Uh, this ministry doesn't belong here. And literally booted our ministry without giving us an opportunity to have our one last gathering. Now, granted, we were trying to work in the youth, the new youth pastors are part of this thing. We had uh, the future shot guys around who were older. They were seasoned. I'm still friends with those guys. Uh, me and Caps now both attend the Rhythm Church uh, plant together. So I had these amazing men of God in my life. And thankfully, thankfully, my, my buddy Red, uh, who is the 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 you know I guess the brains behind the Future Shock operation? My buddy Red had met the pastor of the church I'm at till this day called the Movement, and they had behind the scenes been praying that God would help the, that that they, they they wanted this ministry over at the Movement that they thought it was a better fit at the Movement. So by the time this thing happened and we got kicked out of this church, right for for literally like we couldn't even have our last gathering. Like it was like no, you can't you can't even have a farewell. You can't even tell people where you're moving to. They had been praying that God could transplant this ministry to the Movement. And it all worked out, and we seamlessly transitioned. And I've and I have been at the movement since like November, December of 2002. I've been at the same church, been a member at the same church since 2000. This is, this is the church I was on staff at. Um, this is the church that I was, um, you know, this church I was on staff at. This is the church I've been serving at. I've done everything there from junior high, high school, young adults. That we had this uh, hip hop open mic ministry we involved in some more of like an open mic ministry until about 2011, 2012. Uh, we kept it going, and uh, and and, and I, you know I've been at the same church, uh, same pastors, same day ones, same people around me, same mentors. You know what I mean? The future shot guys all kind of moved except Caps. I still friends with Caps uh, till this day. Um, I've had him on the channel before, and so that's part two of. This crazy life of Ruslan. I can't believe I told you guys all this. This is some, I've lived a wild life, yo. So, uh, uh, you know, I don't know. Let me know what y'all think. I'm going to do a part three. Part three will be uh, just kind of everything after that. How me and my wife started dating. I started dating my wife at 19. She was 17. We had known each other for a few years before that. And I'm going to get into that and marriage and family and all the financial mistakes I made and all just the insanity um, that that came even after I was a Christian. Just poor decisions, lack of wisdom, right? Lack of wisdom. Even though I was in Christ, I just didn't know. Um, I didn't know what I know now. And I and and the mentors around me weren't helping me with the wisdom life side. Like they in, imparted the theology and the the Bible in me, which I'm grateful for and, I, and I'm with to this day. But part three, I'm going to get into the life side and how much of a train wreck my life was and why I, I'm i so into financial literacy and, and health and fitness and all these things now. So, uh, man, that's part two. Make sure you turn notifications on. Make sure you uh, like this video. Uh, if you're new here, do consider subscribing. If you found value from this, subscribe, share this with somebody that's maybe gone through something similar. And uh, I don't want you guys to miss part three. Thank you guys for hanging with me, man. I appreciate it. Bruce Lawn. Ah, yes. 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 
Sunshine and all, sunshine and all. But she don't know that I still feel like we ain't made it yet. No, I ain't lying at all. I ain't lying at all. I remember walking back from grocery stores and she would carry me sore. Muscles didn't mean a thing. We just had to see this thing through. And now she got bad hips and needs to replace. I wonder if I walk, could this pain have been erased? Uh, was that a cause of her failing health? She fell down, it's only right I help. Uplift despite the complicated things I felt. From cachet to building generational wealth. Look, from her just hoping she can land a job. To owning businesses, not feeling ah, yeah. I need some real estate next. I've been the realest, not best. Is there a difference? I guess nah. Yeah, they told me God bless. I told them I wanna bless God. 